119, Psalm 119. We're going to jump around in the book of Psalms. We have made it to Psalm 46, and, and we're working our way through and uh, taking a break from uh, transitioning that direction. And occasionally do this just to kind of break it up a little bit uh, and help us. So we may be in Psalm 119 for just a little while, then we'll transition back to the Psalm 40s uh, and then come back to Psalm 119 uh, and do this a little bit more. Psalm 119, as you come to the first eight verses, you'll find that it starts out in such a way that it reminds us of the importance of the Word of God. Uh, the importance of how the Word of God works in the Christian life, how the Word of God uh, works in, in general, but also... In the Christian life, as you come to the Word of God, you begin to understand the desire of the Lord that we would grow. As we dealt with this the last couple of Sunday mornings, that Paul emphasized these things as he was dealing with people. He would often summarize, if I am, by saying things in such a way that we would understand that he was saying there was a time to grow up, and there was a time to, uh, uh, to uh, stand up, and, and, and also uh, there was a time to, to you know, understand that, that God was stretching you and to, to mature in your Christian life. There was that, that growing up period where you were transitioning from the milk to the meat, and that's God's intention. And God's intention was never for you after you had gotten saved to say, well, that's the end of it. No, that was the beginning of all that God had for you. And uh, in this passage of Scripture, we come to a familiar portion of Scripture. I pray, I pray that you've read Psalm 119 before, but these first eight verses will help us to understand the importance of the Christian life and the Christian life and the Word of God going hand in hand. Notice with me, if you would, verses 1 through 8 of Psalm 119, the Bible says, Blessed are the undefiled. In the way, who walk in the law of the Lord, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. That right there is a message in and of itself is seeking the Lord with the whole heart. Sometimes we come to the Lord and we, we half-heartedly seek him or, or just give him a portion of what we are trying to do. But he says, no, seek me with your whole heart. And in verse number 3 it says, They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with the uprightness of heart. And when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments, I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Psalm 119 is one of these, these passages of Scripture where we come to realize that the Word of God has a major role in the growth of the Christian life. If you do not give yourself to the Word of God, you have no right to get upset with God. It's you who you should get upset with. You begin to question things. You begin to ask why God is allowing certain things. You begin to maybe wonder why the blessing of God is not evident in that, that, that season of life, whatever the case might be. And before you get angry with God, first look in the mirror and say, what needs to be fixed here? Uh, you see, there's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with what God is doing in our lives. Oftentimes, whenever we look at that season of life, and if, if we're, we're struggling and we're not giving ourselves to the Word, we're not giving ourselves to prayer, we're not giving ourselves to uh, the house of God, we're not giving God preeminence in our lives, it's not God who, who is uh, in the wrong there, it is ourselves. And one of the things that is so important in the Christian life is the importance of the daily Word. Getting in the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God and watching what God can do as you fill your mind with the right stuff. 
Uh, as you think about, uh, you know, cars and, and, and vehicles in general, if you were to put the wrong type of oil into a vehicle, it's going to sputter. It's going to, it's not going to sound good. It's not going to run very good. And in the Christian life, the same thing is to be said if you start putting the wrong things into your mind. You start filling yourself with the wrong music. You start surrounding yourself by the wrong people. You start putting the, the wrong things in front of you. You start giving your attention to all of those things that are putting the filth into your mind. You're not going to live the Christian life like you ought to. You begin to wonder why is thing everything off of track. And, and this is the thing that we have to come to realize as well when it comes to the Lord is He will do anything He has to to get us back on track. You say, well, you may have heard a preacher stand before and he'd say, what would God have to do to get your attention? Can I share with you, God knows what to do to get our attention. Uh, he'll use whatever he has to to get us to understand that, hey, you're not giving me the preeminence that I am respected and that I need and that I want and that I want to desire. And so as you come to the Christian life and you look at the Word of God, I want you to notice a couple of these key phrases. Notice these key phrases, and then we're going to jump right into it, and how the Word of God plays a major role in the Christian life. The Bible says, again, notice these couple of phrases. In verse number 1, it says, "...who walk in the law of the Lord." All right, that's an important thing to understand. In verse number 2, it says right here at the end of this statement, in verse number 2, that seek Him with the whole heart. In verse number 3, it says, they walk in His ways. In verse number 4, it says, thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. And this isn't a suggestion. Uh, some of you who have children, you will make a statement, you'll tell your children to go and to take the trash out, and if they don't take the trash out, you'll look at them and you'll say, that wasn't a suggestion, that was a command. You're wanting them to do that. The same thing is found in the Word of God. We look at sometimes the Word of God. We look at maybe uh, the, 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 the commandment to go and to reach the world, and we make it like it's a suggestion, like, hey, if you have time, go and share the gospel. That's not a, that's not a suggestion. It's a command to do. And we look at sometimes like uh, the, the command to, to live a pure and a holy life, and we say, well, it's, it's, it's something that we can do if we have time. No, God says, hey, be holy, for I am holy. It's not something that you should look at and say, well, I, I can consider it. No, God's saying, don't consider it. What's to consider? You know, you start to look at the best life and a life that is average, and God's saying, why would you want to live right here where, where the mediocre Christian life where you're missing all the blessing of God when you could just walk with me daily and enjoy the bliss of living the Christian life? And you think about that, the importance of that. In verse number 5, as you continue reading, he says, Oh, that my ways were directed. Now, this is an, an exciting verse right here, verse number 5, because he, he's, he's, uh, it's, he's holding the Lord in such high regard. He's holding Him in a place where He has given the preeminence that He desires that God would direct Him. There are certain people in life, some that are born natural leaders, some that are trained to, to be leaders, some that don't desire to lead, cannot be trained to lead, they'd rather you tell them what to do. In this portion of Scripture right here, we have to come to the realization that there are going to be seasons in life where God is directing us to be a leader. God may be even setting us on, the, on, on a, a stage of, of leading a group or maybe leading the charge in a certain setting. But every single child of God should have this desire. God, you lead my footsteps. Even if I'm in a position of leadership, even if you're giving me a role where I can make a, a difference, God, may it not be something where I say, I'm going to lead, but may it always be in the Christian life that we say, I'm going to follow God and He'll lead me. You see, the greatest leaders in the Christian life were not those who were dependent upon themselves, they were dependent on God wholly. 
You go and you study the Christian faith and you study Christian history and you look at some of the, the either the preachers or you look at some of the missionaries, you look at some of the, the great men and women of the faith and you'll, you'll begin to study their lives and you'll find that they were completely and utterly given to God and so dependent upon God that they weren't consumed with themselves. There wasn't an ounce of pride of them saying, hey, look what I've done. It was always, man, look what God just accomplished. And that's what the, the goal of the Christian life ought to be, that statement. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Lord, you lead me and I'll follow. Verse number 6, he says this, Then shall I not be ashamed. Now, this is not uh, the, the, the same idea and the concept of being ashamed of the gospel. That's not what it's dealing with here. As God leads you, what He is saying in verse number 5, and we're going to expound on this a little bit more, but in verse number 5 is He is saying, Lord, as you lead me, I want to follow you. direct my paths so that I don't have to be ashamed. Uh, it's almost like uh, sometimes we would associate it with kind of a, uh, a reason to, to uh, maybe you're telling your children to do something, and your children will, you're, you're, you're maybe explaining to them, hey, we're not going to do that. And that child maybe raises their voice and says, but mom, my friends are going to say this, and you look at them and say, well, then you say your mom and your dad said no. It's not you, it's mom and dad. What he is saying here in verses 5 and 6 is, Lord, you direct my paths so that whenever they slander my name, whenever they ridicule me, whenever they mock me, I don't have to worry about it because I'm following you. I know that you've guided me and you've made it clear what you would have for me. And so he makes that clear. Verse number 7, he says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. Again, giving God reverence here. He has a desire to, to praise the Lord for his due is there. Verse number 8, I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. And he is pleading with God not to forsake him here. And so let's jump right into it. What's the role and what is the difference that the Word of God plays in the Christian life? Number one, it makes one happy. You go and you open the Word of God, you'll find that you find yourself a little bit happier. Uh, it's a little more pleasant. If you were to pick up a, a, a great book, you were to say, man, this is a book that you have to read. I have books in my library that, that I keep a, a journal of, of books. And I, I've told you this before, but I will rate these books. I'll rate them from one to five. One is a book I'll never read again probably, but I'll own it. It's there, but I probably wouldn't suggest it to someone. Five means that, hey, I'm definitely going to read this again. Three is, hey, I'll read it, but it's probably going to be, you know, if I need it, you know, it's specific. But five is one of those where, you know, I could read it anytime. It's a, it's a book I enjoy. It's a book that's necessary and helpful. But as good as those books are, as great as those five-star books are, they hold no comparison to this right here. They hold no comparison. I can read those books and I can get something from those books and say, man, that was a wonderful book. But I still won't come away sometimes excited and thrilled and giddy. But when you open the Word of God, one of the things that we find is that it just brings joy to the Christian life. You know, it's an amazing thing. Even whenever you're convicted reading the Word of God, it still brings, it's a strange thing, but it still brings joy. You open the Word of God and all of a sudden you begin to, to read it and all of a sudden you're convicted and, and in the midst of that conviction you're thinking, man, I'm convicted but thank God I'm able to get right with Him and thank God I'm able to get this settled and thank God I'm able to, to get this done and, and make sure that I'm living right and making sure that I'm living for the Lord and all these many things. And so even in the midst of conviction you can still find yourself happy in the Word of God. You go and you study in your deepest and darkest days and you open the Word of God and you're looking for that help and you're looking for that, that promise and that encouragement. You'll find that the Word of God makes you happy. 
In verse number 1, he says this, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. You see right off the bat that he's a happy one. He says blessed. That word blessed has this meaning. It's speaking of happiness or bliss. It's speaking of a a joyful personality, if you would. And so keeping the word of God brings about happiness and joy in the Christian life. It's one of those things that we just understand that if you want to be a happy Christian, get in the word. Some of the most unhappy Christians I've ever met are people who do not give God's Word, the preeminence in their life. They don't even open the Word of God. Man, it does you no good to own this book if you're never going to open it. And it also does you no good to to own this book if the only time that you do open it is whenever you expect the preacher to give you something. Can I share with you that it is not my job to deliver something to you? You see, the Word of God, when you open the Word of God, your heart has to be prepared and you are expecting something from the, the Lord to give you. If you come to the house of God and you say, Lord... I pray that that preacher is going to bring the best message of his life. Listen, I'll fail you. There's going to be times whenever I preach a dud. There's going to be times whenever I walk into the house of God and I preach a message, but if your heart is not saying, Lord, don't let the preacher preach to me, Lord, you speak to me. That's whenever you get something. You see, even whenever I'm preaching, I'm praying, God, you speak to me. I don't know how many times that the Lord has has put a message on my heart and I preach that message, but in the midst of that preaching, God was dealing with me personally. The Word of God here, we have a happy one. This individual, this psalmist here is happy. It says, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are the end of Hey, happily, blissfully. You know, we live in a world today. I was at Walmart yesterday. I had to stop in at Walmart to get a couple of things. And as I was standing there in line, I was talking to the lady at the cash register. And she made a statement. She was an elderly lady, and she said, um, the lady that was in front of her, she says, I just love meeting sweet and kind people. And I said, yeah. I said, that's, that's wonderful, isn't it? I said, you probably uh, have occasions where people aren't so kind. She said, oh, they're, you know, not as often as you would think. But, yeah, there, there are those times. She said, just a couple of days ago, there was a, a, a lady who was checking out, and a gentleman uh, was saying some things to her and telling her that she needed to hurry up. But she was a little bit older, and she was a little bit slower. And, and he just kept saying things. And she said, you know what? If you're going to talk that way, I'm just going to go a little bit slower. And so she started aggravating him even more and taking her sweet time to write that check and and she said then I had to call the manager over here and settle everything down and and I said hey I, I understand I said can I share with you I, I said I just encouraged our church just just recently not to lose their testimony over those types of things and I said listen I, I understand where you're where you're coming from because there's so there's so much uh, unkindness in our world there's a lack of compassion and and we were talking for just a few moments, and as we were talking about that, and she was talking about, you know, uh, meeting kind people and meeting nice people, she said, she made this statement, she said, my days are always so much better when people are just so sweet. And as you think about that, that's just something that, it doesn't take much effort. It doesn't take much effort to, to be kind to someone, but sometimes if we're not careful, we just like to, we just like to say something just because it just flies right out. And we could go to the book of James tonight and just deal with the tongue for quite a while because the tongue is one of the most dangerous things. And, and, you know, it's something that sometimes we don't even realize. Can I share with you, if you're having a bad day, make sure you put the tongue even more tight. Shut those lips a little bit tighter because when you're having a bad day, you just want to say something quick. And you don't care what anyone thinks. Uh, And you think about that, and Brother Terry alluded to that, the words can really harm people and really can hurt people. And as that little elderly lady that was working at Walmart made that statement, she said, my days are so much better whenever people are just sweeter. And what an obvious statement, but what a, what a statement in 2021 where we're finding that's not something that's common anymore. 
Uh, It's not something that you would just assume is taking place. And in the Word of God, you'll find that the Word of God begins to direct us in how we should conduct ourselves, how we should live as a Christian, and how we should look as a Christian. You know, it's amazing in 2021, uh, I'm getting so fed up with the culture of Christianity and some of the things that are taking place because when you make a statement such as what a Christian looks like, immediately everybody's minds go to how do they dress. Can I share with you, that's not what it's dealing with. Whenever I make the statement, hey, what, the, the, what a Christian looks like, I'm speaking of how we conduct ourselves and how we live as a child of God and, and how, what it is portrayed by in the Word of God. And this right here says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Go with me to Psalm 1 for just a moment. In Psalm 1, it starts out, the very first psalm, and is this, if this doesn't get any clearer, then I don't know what will. But in Psalm 1, again, it uses that statement, blessed. And it starts out, Psalm 1, verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. It says, Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Can I share with you, that gives a perception, that gives a viewpoint of what a Christian looks like right there. Nowhere does it say anything about what they dress like and things like that. But we have we live in a world today, in the, the Christian culture, where we like to minor or major on the minor things. And we like to begin to attack each other in Christianity and we begin to attack all of the different movements and all of these many things and we, we attack each other in certain ways. And can I share with you, there is a, a place and a time concerning what a Christian looks like concerning the dress and things like that. But oftentimes in our world today, we like to major on all of these minor things. And all the while God is saying, hey, why don't you just give heed to the things that I'm dealing with specifically right now? We don't like to do that. Why? Because as we find in this world, many people like to be happy, but they don't like to be holy. And you know why we don't like to be holy? Because we're selfish at the core. Every single one of us. We, if you were to go and you did a thorough, and I want to encourage you, read Psalm 1 as often as you can, because man, that's a picture of what a happy Christian looks like. You don't want to be unhappy, don't live with the, the filth of this world. You don't want to be unhappy, don't give yourself to the sinful crowd. You don't want to be unhappy, don't sin all the time. Get right with God, have a short sin account, live for the Lord. Verse number 2 in Psalm 1 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. There it is right there. What does he delight in? The Word of God. What does he enjoy? The Word of God. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We're living in a world where many like to be happy, but few like to be holy. The Word of God is specific and clear when it says, Be holy, for I am holy. God desires that His children would act, would conduct themselves, would look, would talk, would reveal themselves differently. We're, far, we're, we're finding out and starting to see that the, the, the church is no longer having and making a difference in the world. More or less, the world is creeping into the church, and you're starting to see that more and more. I mean, I just had a conversation with just a couple of people just the other day. We were talking... And we were talking on the phone, actually, and, I, and again, I tell everybody, look, I'm always looking for that pastor discount, all right? I'm, I'm telling people. I went somewhere just the other day, and we were, we were doing something. They said, are you military? I said, no, but I'm a, pa- a local pastor here in town. If y'all do uh, discounts for anything like that. And they said, oh, we don't, actually. I said, that's fine. But I'm always going for it. So we were talking, and they, they, I, I made that statement. And uh, we were talking for just a moment, and they said, you know, we, we actually are looking for a church. We were going to a, another church here in town, but... 
you know, uh, we weren't getting much Bible. And I said, well, come and visit us. Now, I don't know what church that was, but it doesn't shock me anymore to hear that. Because, again, it goes back to this. We are majoring on the minor things. Far too many ministries, far too many preachers, far too many Christians are majoring on things that God is saying, listen, you're missing it. All the while, you're, you're griping, complaining about the carpet color. All the while, you're missing that that poor soul that walked in needed someone just to come up and shake their hand and say, man, we're so glad to see you today. You're, you're, you're standing there and you're griping about something that another church family did. All the while that you're missing that this little boy over here just needed a gentleman or, or a lady in the church just to wrap their arms around him and say, hey, I'm so proud of you. I love you. We're missing the major things. We're missing what is at the core of God's heart. And one of the things that reasons we miss is because we don't give ourselves to the Word of God. Happy. He's a happy one. He was happy in God's way. He was also happy in God's walk. You'll find as you start to walk a certain way concerning the Christian life, maybe you stop doing things that you once did. You know the Christian song, the, the children's song. Uh, that deals with that, and uh, I'm not who I once was, and the, the way I used to talk, I don't talk like that anymore. The way I used to, uh, to, to the things I used to do, I don't do those things anymore. And you might have a, a crowd, or you might have your friends that you were doing those things with that will make statements like, oh, you're a fuddy-dud. Oh, you're so lame, or oh, you're no fun anymore. Oh, you're a killjoy. Oh, you're a wimp because you won't do this. And they'll make those statements. But you'll find... That as God has relieved you from all of that sin and said, hey, you no longer have to walk in that sinful lifestyle. Uh, You're no longer bound to all that. We can go to the book of Galatians tonight if we needed to. You don't have to do all that. Hey, I've saved you for something much greater than that. And see, one of the things that I love, I love talking to young people. Many of you know that if it, if it was if I was doing what my will was, I'd be a youth director right now. You know that. I love young people. I love joking around with the young people just before the service tonight. That's what I was doing. But God has made a different purpose. God has led us to this, and that's why we were so thrilled to be able to have a part in the uh, being able to reach these things. And, and we told you five, six years ago that whenever uh, the Lord allowed us to, we'd have a generation to generation conference, and we wanted to get into the public schools, and we wanted to start a Christian school. When look, there, there are so many things that I want to do to reach this next generation because. They need somebody to say, hey, God has a purpose for you. When I went over there today, I was emphasizing that God has a purpose for you. Whatever season of life you're in right this very moment, God has a purpose in that season of life to prepare you for the next season of life. If God is bringing you through something, He's bringing through because He has a purpose in which He can use that. Once again, we go back to this last Sunday. There are going to be times, as J. Oswald Sanders said, there are going to be some things that God brings you through that were never intended for you. They were just intended for you to be used in His hands. And as you think about that, and you think about the purpose in life, this right here reminds us, as He says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that shall seek Him with the whole heart. He was happy in God's way, but he was also happy walking in God's walk. It was a pure walk. That word undefiled helps us understand that, hey, he was pure. It wasn't something that was suspect. It wasn't something that was questioned. No, he was walking in a pure lifestyle. He was doing things that he ought to have been doing. There was no questioning that. And the psalmist wanted to walk in God's walk. Not only that, but it was also a performing walk. He kept the testimonies. He walked in law. He walked in his ways. You see, walking in the Lord's ways and making sure that you walk the way the Lord ought to have, uh, that the Lord desires you to walk, reveals three things. Number one, it reveals discernment. Can I share with you one of the things that you ought to pray for every single morning that you wake up is, Lord, give me discernment. 
You say, what's the importance of discernment? God will help you to see that sometimes that something might need to be said, but not that time and place. Uh, Something might need to be handled, but not at that particular time. Someone might need to be reached, but they need to be reached by this person, not you. The Lord will give you discernment on those things. The Lord will help you to understand that. But not only that, walking in God's ways also speaks of discipline. Uh, Discipline, as we made reference to in the Sunday school hour this past Sunday school, the Christian life doesn't just happen. Uh, The testimony of someone that that has lived the Christian life and somebody says, man, that is a Christian if I've ever seen one, that doesn't just happen overnight. It's not just something that you sign up for and that they send you a packet in the mail and they say, hey, this is how it happens. It's something that you have to really work at. That means you have to to work at getting in the Word of God. That means you have to work at being faithful in prayer. That means you have to work at saying no to sin and saying yes to God and His will. It takes discipline. It takes discernment. It speaks of those things, but it also speaks of diligence. Man, oftentimes I, I think the Christian life, it speaks so much to this that we all have so much desire to live the Christian life, but we just don't give proper attention to it. We don't give the, the diligence to making sure that it's done the right way and making sure that we, we are, are, are living the Christian life based on what God intends for us to do. Can I share with you, you know, one of the, one of the, the worst ways to, to live the Christian life is to live based off of this statement right here. Well, it's not a bad thing, but is it what God would have for you? You see, you could give me a list of things that are not bad things, but is it God's will for you to do? You see, anything that is apart from God's will for your life, even if it's not a bad thing, if it's not God's will for your life, don't give your time to it. It takes diligence. I don't know how many times that that people have asked me to do certain things or I've had to say no. There's some times that I said yes and I knew I shouldn't have or whatever the case might have been, and it wasn't a bad thing. But it wasn't what God had for me. And sometimes we have to understand that when we're walking in God's walk and doing what God's will for our lives is, that means that we have to display some diligence, some discernment, some discipline. And God will help us with all that. It was also a personal walk. Notice this statement right here. In verse number 2 it says that seek Him with the whole heart. Can I share with you, you can live in a household of five and only one person seek God with their whole heart. Just because Daddy seeks the Lord with his whole heart doesn't mean Mama does. Just because mama does doesn't mean daddy does. Just because a child does doesn't mean everyone else does. You see, this is where we have to come to understand that as as individuals, we are ultimately all responsible to the Lord ourselves. Uh, If you're not living for the Lord, you have no right in saying it's because you're a husband. You have no right in saying it's because you're a wife. You know, if, if, if Kelly is not living for the Lord, she can sit there and say, oh, it's because Josh just, he, he's just hard to live with. What does that have to do? I am hard to live with. Don't blame me. <laughs> you know? And, and you think about this, the seriousness. Hey, you have a responsibility to, to, to seek the Lord yourself. And you think about the importance of this and how it makes you happy. He says, blessed. Again, speaking of happy, in verse number two, he uses it again, blessed are they. We see that it's a happy one. He's happy in God's way. He's happy walking in God's walk, but he's also happy in God's will. I'll tell you, there's just nothing like living in the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is is whatever God leads you to do, and you know right then and there, this is what God's will is for my life. And and I don't know how to stress this time and time again. Not everyone's called to full-time ministry, but every single one of us in the perfect will of God have a personal ministry. Whatever God has called you to do, use it for the Lord. 
Whatever God, wherever God has placed you, use that for the Lord and watch what God could do. What does the Word of God do? Well, it makes one happy. Not only does the Word of God make one happy, but in verses 3 on down, you'll see that it also makes one holy. The Bible says in verse number 3, They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep Thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep Thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all Thy commandments. Again, going back to this statement right here, many want to be happy, but few want to be holy. If you get into the Word of God and you find that the Word of God desires to work in our lives and the Holy Spirit begins to do that work and the Lord says, Hey, I want you to live a holy lifestyle, one that is set aside and one that is separated unto myself, not separated unto the world, and get away from the world and live for me and makes you holy. You get into the Word of God and you begin to find out what God has for you. Uh, It's amazing how uh, whenever you get into the Scripture, you'll begin to dig a little bit deeper and you'll begin to say things like this, Oh, I didn't know that's what the Lord had for me. Or, or you'll see that God brought you from there all the way to where you are now and you'll begin to look back and you'll begin to see all of the things that God led you to do to bring you here. But can I remind you, not a single one of us will have ever arrived. And there's never going to be a time in the Christian life where you'll say, you know what, i become as holy as there is one to be. And there's always work to be done. Always work to be done. In verse number 4, he begins to make reference to a holy duty. He says, thou hast commanded us. Hey, it's our duty. Uh, It's our responsibility to live a holy life. He says to keep thy precepts diligently. Uh, It's a holy responsibility to to live for the Lord. That statement thou hast commanded as he is helping us understand that God is the source of that command. You see, there are times whenever you will say something to your child and your child will say, well, why? And your response is oftentimes because God's word says so. You see, you're not the source. You're just the messenger, messenger relaying the message from the source himself. God is the source of this command. He says right here in verse number 4, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. I'm so thankful that whenever I'm able to preach messages and somebody gets mad at the preacher, I'm able to go home and lay my head on the pillow and say, huh, it's God's word. If they're mad, they're not mad at me. They're mad at themselves or mad at God. I, that's why, listen, that's why I just like to stick to the word because if I don't say anything that doesn't need to be said, if it's just Bible, you can't get mad at me. Don't get mad at the messenger. Get mad at the message right here. Take it up with the Lord. Deal with it with the Lord. And he says, hey, uh, thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts. He was relaying the message of the source. But also God begins to, to give the specifics as he says to keep thy precepts. As you open the word of God, God begins throughout all of his word to relay all the things that he has for us. You go to the book of James and he begins to relay the tongue and the importance of controlling the tongue and making sure that you don't spout out certain things that don't need to be said and that you don't ruin your testimony by saying things that are inappropriate or things that really just have no business being said. If you go and you, you go to the book of, uh, of John, you'll begin to see that there's a, a precept of, of helping us understand that there needs to be a message declared and that message that Jesus came and he died on the cross and that there's a lost and dying world that needs to hear the message of salvation. You go to the book of Acts and you begin to see that Peter and, and some of those were just so bold in their, were, their witness and they could not help but speak of the things that they had seen and heard. And so there's a precept of preaching and, see, and teaching the truth. You go and you begin to flow through the book of Romans. You see the, the message of salvation again and, and you just go through all the word of God. All of the precepts, they just flow together and God begins to relay all of the things that he would have for us to do in our holy responsibility. You see, God is the source, but he gives the specifics in his word. And that's one of the things that we can take uh, intentions to live by and to conduct ourselves by. It's also a holy desire, though. In verse number 5, he says, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. 
He desired this. It was a holy desire. He, he desired to live a, a lifestyle that God would be pleased and honored with. When you wake up every morning and you pray that God would give you the discernment you need, that God would direct your feet, that God would help you to, to make sure that you live for Him and you give that day to Him, one of the things that's exciting is watching it all unfold. You ever look back on a day and you cross paths with something, someone and you say, man, that was a strange path that we just crossed. And maybe a conversation that just had started and, and, and the Lord works it all out and you, you begin to, uh, to think about those questions that are asked. And, you know, one of the questions that I get asked often, my second home is Publix. We live right next to one and so I go in there just about daily. And uh, they know me. And uh, when I walk in, there are some people who are new workers, and one of the questions I get asked on Wednesday evenings when we stop in there usually is, well, you're dressed up nice. What you all dressed up nice for? And I always say, oh, I was just, I was just at church, and we just got out, and so I'm headed home. I go, I'm, I'm the pastor of Gateway Baptist Church. You go to church anywhere? And sometimes I'll get a yes, sometimes I'll get a no, but they'll always get an invite. And, uh, you know, and so when you think about those questions that along the path that people will ask you, if you're in your workplace or maybe you're out of town or whatever the case might be, and the holy desire here was this, oh, that my ways were directed. God, I pray that you direct my footsteps. Lord, I pray that the path that I walk today is one that you're leading me on, and Lord, that I won't stray off and get distracted by something here or, or get distracted by here. No, the holy desire was, Lord, I want you to lead me. And then you see right here a decision, this holy decision in verse number 6, then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. The psalmist relays the importance of delighting in the word of God regardless of those who will mock you. You see, it goes back to what I made reference to. If you tell your children not to do something and they say, well, what if my friends make fun of you? Then you say, well, tell them that your mom and your dad said no. Well, that child will no longer uh, take the, the, the brunt of that. Guess who takes the brunt of it? Mom and dad. Oh, they have lame parents. That's okay. Call me lame. Listen, I, I, I pray that when I get older that I'll be able to say I, I delight myself and that my children are walking with the Lord. And if that means that I have to be a lame parent, sign me up. If that means that I'm not the cool parent, I'm okay with that. As long as my children are walking with the Lord and doing what they're supposed to and, and hey, living a life that is given to God, I'm okay with that. And the psalmist here is saying, hey, as long as you lead me, I have no reason to be ashamed. Then shall I not be ashamed. Hey, I have no reason to. Why? Because God's leading me. God's leading my footsteps. Finally, what does the Word of God do? It makes one happy. It makes one holy. But the final thing we see is it makes one humble. Uh, Lord will humble us like that. Man, uh, you ever, you ever, I was, I was in, a, in a service one time. And uh, you can see and you can tell when someone is, is full of pride. I think every single one of us have seen instances like that. Maybe you've, maybe you've experienced it yourself or whatever the case might be. But I was in a service, this was probably four years ago or so, and I remember being in a service and, and um, it was a preacher's meeting, matter of fact, and there was a preacher who got up and he was preaching and pride was all over him. I was sitting there and I was thinking, man, there is an arrogance. And it's one of those where you ever had, um, what's it called, secondhand embarrassment? Any of you ever experienced that? You know what that is? Secondhand embarrassment is when you feel embarrassed for the person, but they don't feel embarrassed. They're just continuing in their ways. But you're, you're sitting there saying, oh, that's bad. Oh, that's not good. Secondhand embarrassment. And I said, this is not good. 
And so I just began to scan the room, and he was preaching, and preaching, and, and full of pride, and all of a sudden, his voice went, it was gone. I mean, it wasn't one of those where, uh, you know, <laughs> he was preaching and just, you know, coughing. It, his voice was gone. And right in the midst of that right there, for about three minutes, he could not get anything out. And after he had come to himself for just a moment, he was humbled. And after the service, there was a a gathering right there. And he was talking to a group of people and he said, in in front of this group of people, he says, I've never had that happen before. And I remember just standing there and a gentleman who was a little bit older, he's probably in his mid-70s, he looked at that young young preacher. This preacher was probably in his, his... late 30s or so, and and said, listen, brother, he says, I've only seen that happen a couple of times. He said, but I want to caution you. Never get in the pulpit thinking you're something, because I want to remind you, you're still nothing. And what a powerful reminder that, listen, God just as quickly can humble us just like that. You ever gotten up to sing, and after you've gotten up to sing, you were filled with pride, and you got up again the next time, and you bombed it? I remember we were at at camp one time, and an individual got up there and began to play the piano, and uh, he, he, he made this statement. I, I, don't, I know him really well, and I love him, and, and a close friend of mine, but he, he said that it was a humbling moment. And uh, I don't think he did anything in, 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 in a way that uh, was something ill, but he was using an iPad, and his iPad locked up on him, and he had to try to play the entire thing by, by um, just memory, and it was a disaster. And he said, man, that was humbling. And uh, you've experienced that, those humbling moments. You've experienced those times whenever God has humbled you. I remember Kelly has made statements to me before that has humbled me just like that. Sometimes the Lord will use our spouse to to humble us pretty quick. Uh, He'll remind us through individuals. I I mean, Jackson has said certain things and just humbling. But then there's also the other side of humbling. The other side of humbling is this. I'm humbled to even be able to serve Him. What an opportunity. I'm humbled that God would even allow it. You know, that type of humbling as well. Notice what it says here in verse number 7. We're almost done. It says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart. Humbling he's experiences, man, what a God. Can I share with you, there are two things. He's humbled. He desires continuous growth. In the Christian life, you ought to desire as you open the Word of God to continually grow. If you ever gain all the knowledge, but you forget the reason that you gain the knowledge, you've missed it. It's not about you. It's all about Him. The knowledge of the Word of God is not so that it will puff you up. The knowledge of the Word of God is so that you'll humble yourself and see how wonderful He is. As you open the Word of God, you should ought to desire to, to continually grow. But he goes on, When I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. That continuous growth. But in verse number 8, I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. He's humbled not only at the opportunity that he gets to continually understand and grow in the Word of God, but he's also continuously longing He's longing for the Lord. He's longing maybe at His Word, maybe at the presence of God, maybe at the opportunity to serve Him. But nonetheless, He's longing just to to be able to serve, and it's a humbling thing. If you've ever served the Lord and watched God use you, and maybe He used you in the sense of you were given the opportunity to lead someone to the Lord. Maybe you were given the opportunity uh, to to teach a Sunday school class or to to, to teach a children's class and something amazing happened to that. Maybe a child got saved or or maybe in that Sunday school class someone got right with the Lord or maybe you were sitting in a service and and God used you at the invitation to go and be a blessing to someone, but nonetheless you were used in some capacity. 
you know the feeling. There's just like, there's nothing like leading someone to the Lord. I'll tell you what, one of the most amazing things is to watch someone come to, the, to, to the, the knowledge of, hey, I need to accept Christ as my personal Savior, and to watch tears coming down their eyes. And this past summer, as we were able, able to go, and I was able to preach at that junior camp, and that young boy raised his hand, and he was taken out by a worker, and he walks in with tears in his eyes, and he says, the very first thing he says, I need to call my mama and my daddy. With tears running down his eyes and his mom is on the phone with the youth director at the time and she says, we have been dealing with him for quite a while and this is a huge answer to prayer. There's just nothing like it. Watching someone get gloriously saved. And as I was listening to those gentlemen over across the street and he raised his hand, he said, I'm just so thankful that I'm saved by the grace of God. It's just wonderful. The psalmist here is relaying, hey, the importance of the word of God. What's the importance of the word of God? Well, it'll make you happy. Can I share with you, there needs to be more happy Christians in this world. As a child of God, there's no reason you should be angry. Uh, He's been so good to you. He's been so gracious to us. He's been so merciful. He's given us exactly what we need. He's taken things that we don't need. He's given us the opportunity just to trust Him and to live by faith and watch Him navigate everything. He makes us happy as we open the Word of God. But it makes us holy as we open the Word of God. He begins to reveal those things that don't need to be evident in the Christian life. And He says, hey, live like this. But He also humbles us. We're humbled at the opportunity that we get to serve Him. And also, as we get prideful, He humbles us very quickly. Psalmist says, oh, Lord, I want to continuously grow. Lord, if that means you have to take things out, take it out. Lord, if that means you have to remove things and put them over here for a season, Lord, remove it. But nonetheless, I want to continuously grow. And Lord, also, I long to be in Your presence. I long to be in the Word. I long to watch what You can do. Lord, oh, forsake me not. I believe every single one of us tonight... If we were to be honest tonight, we would say we don't want the Lord to forsake us. Can I share with you, He won't. He doesn't desire to. He desires that we would draw nigh to Him and He will draw nigh to us. And I want to encourage you tonight, whatever the case might be, if you haven't given proper attention to the Word of God, you say, I'm just not as happy as I ought to be. How's your Bible reading tonight? Have you opened the Word of God? You know, if you open the Word of God, you heard, but as we go back to Psalm 44, you're listening. As the Word of God was being preached, were you listening? As the Word of God was, was being dealt with in your devotional life or maybe in the Sunday school hour, whatever the case, were, you, were you listening to what God had for you? You say, I just, I, I don't know why I'm struggling. I'm missing the blessing of God. Well, are you living a holy lifestyle? Are you giving to God or are you giving to that sin? You say, oh, but that sin's not a big deal. No, sin is a big deal regardless of the sin. You see, we like to categorize sin. We like to say, oh, this is a big sin. This is a small sin. Sin. God hates all sin. Don't, don't be fooled. Satan wants you to be fooled into, into thinking, oh, that's just a little sin. God, he's not concerned with that. Can I share with you? He's concerned with every child of God. And so if there's sin, even the smallest of sins in our eyes, he's concerned with it. He wants you to live a holy lifestyle. And then he humbles us. Maybe you need to be humble tonight. Maybe you're humble to the opportunity he's using you, or whatever the case might be. Praise him for it. And ask the Lord, Lord, reveal through your word what you have for me. Lord, we do thank you, Lord. What, a, what an amazing God you are. Lord, we thank you for the Word of God and how it, Lord, penetrates our hearts. Lord, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and man, does it pierce. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we even go back to last week in Psalm 44. Lord, may we not just be hearers, but Lord, may we truly listen to you, and Lord, allow you to have your will and way in our lives through the Word of God. Lord, whether it's through our devotional life as we open and read ourselves, or through the Sunday school hour, through the preaching of your word, or 
some of her form, Lord, as we meditate on Scripture. Lord, may you have your will and way. Lord, if there's one here tonight, Lord, and they might be in a, a, a state where they're no longer happy, they're struggling with their joy and their happiness, Lord, may you draw them to the Word of God. Lord, may you convict them. May you help them to see that happiness isn't found in the world's materialism. It's not found in finances. It's not found in cars and bells and whistles. It's not found in, in all the things that we think on this, this temporary scale of things. But Lord, true happiness is found in you. Uh, Lord, if there's one here who is struggling because they're living in sin, Lord, may they get that dealt with. Help us to realize we will never be happy. We will never find satisfaction living in sin. And Lord, if there's one here who's humbled tonight, Lord, maybe they were humbled at the Word of God. Maybe they're humbled because of the, the overwhelming uh, excitement and joy that comes with just serving you. They're just humbled at the opportunity. May they praise you for it. Lord, I pray that you would take this church to new heights. Lord, I pray that you would take each of these families. Lord, that we would be families given to the Word. Lord, that we'd be individuals given to the Word. We'd be a church that is given to the Word. I pray that you'd help us tonight. Guide us, direct us, use this invitation the way you see fit. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Could I encourage you? I don't know if the Lord's speaking to you.